This is Coda Radio, episode 223 for September 19th, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. Tell you more about those great sponsors as this your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Posed, with his Xcode updates, is Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mr. Fisher. How are you doing? Are you feeling up to the show today, sir? Are you ready to go I and feel, fired up? You could say that I am ready and standing at attention for the show today. I have, I've been watching a little bit of uh, Twitter traffic back and forth to that regard. I think, I think we'll be getting into that uh, as the show goes on today. I'm actually extremely excited about today's show, not just because I've had my butter coffee. Ew. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm two weeks into it and I'm... I'm sometimes I'm having two a day now. Get, 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 what, the hell is, what the hell is butter No, coffee? we don't. No, no. I, I won't. I won't because we've talked about this before and I don't want to. I don't, okay. I don't think we have though, buddy. Okay. I don't. See, I wasn't going to do this at the top of the show, the coffee thing, because some people love it. Some people hate it. But okay. Well, I, someone's literally making me a cup of coffee right now so <clears> we can <throat> compare notes. And, do you ever and put Chris, cream in your they coffee? They hate most of the show. Okay. I mean, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. All right. You know what? You're right. I should. I should remember that. Uh, do you ever put cream in your coffee ever? No, because I'm a man. Yeah, okay. See, most people that – this is – I have never been a cream in my in my coffee kind of guy either. Never been a cream in my coffee kind of guy. However, I've ever now and then experimented with the chocolates or something like that. You know, just exp- – just, you know, just kind of flirted with it a little bit. So it was something you did in college. Is that what you're getting at? I was in California. So, you know. <laughs> Anyways, I – I uh, so I I tapered off the uh, coffee because I just I I I either wanted to do something that I really wanted great coffee, or I sure. didn't want coffee. And they, some of the longtime audience members uh, remember we got some great coffee that was sent into the show, and uh, I still have my AeroPress, still use it from time to time, but. Uh, see, I, ne- I never went AeroPress deep because I just couldn't justify it. They're cheap now, though, right? Yeah, what does that no, run you? no, no, $25, 30 40 bucks. It's a. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, no, it's a really cheap setup. And if you have great beans and you have a grinder, it only takes you a few minutes. The longest thing is warming the water up. And if you get like an electric kettle, it it really doesn't take that long to make coffee this way because it only has to steep for three to five minutes or so. So it is it is a it is a phenomenal. Co- I went from somebody who did not like coffee to somebody who worshipped coffee. <clears throat> but I just I don't have I actually don't have time to get the beans. And my coffee use fluctuates from on pretty hard to off. And uh, sometimes I accidentally stray st- stray into like the energy drink territory, and that's bad. Ter- too much sugars and stuff. Ooh, that's a that's a bad place. But I'm really back big into coffee right now because, well, I talked about it in the last episode of User Air, so I won't go into a lot of detail. But I, I'm basically just having a, a cup of coffee in the morning with some butter in it and some MCT coconut oil, and I blend it in my in my like Vita blender thingy. It's like a super fast blender. It's just like a cup. It's got like a cup. That goes on the top and it blends, and um, every now and then I put a little vanilla extract in there too. When basically when my lady makes it, I, I don't have any vanilla extract here at the office, um, and it's it's surprisingly good. It doesn't taste coconutty. It doesn't taste oily. It just tastes like a frothy coffee if you have a good uh, blender, and um, it works. You drink it. So I drank mine today at about nine a.m. Um, it's noon now, and I will probably grab lunch after this show sometime. Maybe actually after Tech Talk because I have another show after this. In fact, then I have a recording session I need to do, so I might actually not grab lunch today till two, two, three o'clock. And uh, I don't get that like that that starvation mode after drinking coffee that I used to get, where I would get really hungry as the coffee wore off. Wait, coffee makes you hungry? Yeah. So, well, as uh, it wears off, I can replace like a light meal with coffee. When while the coffee's in full force and the caffeine's hit me, my appetite is suppressed. When the caffeine right. begins to wear off, my my appetite ramps way up, and I get like this. I get like this sick gut wrenching hunger that I, I have to eat immediately. And so if I would have coffee at eight or nine o'clock in the morning, or or really seven before I you know or something like that before I leave, um, 
I would be starving by 1030. I would be such a wreck that I would be I would put a I would have to place like an order for a sandwich before the shop opened or I would come down in the kitchen and make myself a meal. I mean, and it would be like this huge meal and I would be star and then I would then I would crash from the food that from just like gorging myself. Um, and so what the coconut oil and the butter do is they seem to provide enough sustenance with the caffeine that it doesn't leave me just hollowed out afterwards. And um, it's a nice way to just have a have a cup of coffee in the morning and have a late lunch. So how much does it does it cut the flavor of the actual coffee though? Would be my well, it depends on how much. I don't use a lot of butter, but uh, okay. it depends on how much you use. Yeah, and I've talked about this before, so I kind of feel bad for talking about it. However, I know it sounds like a lunatic thing to some people, but I, I just I guess I am I am kind of advocating it at the moment because it's been a huge game changer, not just for myself, but also for my girlfriend who's been doing it with me, um, and she. Uh, you know, she usually would spend you know forty five minutes in the morning making breakfast, and it's not that. I think there's also forty five minutes in the morning making breakfast. Yeah, she makes you know she'd make a whole thing. I'm lucky if I spend four to five minutes in the morning making breakfast. I think part of the other the other pushback I, I get from the audience, and it's a real common thing. Everybody's heard this before. Right. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We've all heard that, right? So bre- yeah, breakfast is. If if anybody if anybody listening. <clears throat> could link in the subreddit to any legitimate peer-reviewed science that ever has demonstrated that. Because what you will find is there are cereal companies behind that slogan. I know it sounds ridiculous, but there actually is no science right, right. that I could find. Are you, are you about to go all unfiltered on me about No, I'm like, just leaving it at that. I'm, nope, I'm leaving it at that. I'm just saying, so if you're listening and you think, geez, Chris, you're crazy, you're, you're starving your body, you're, not, you know, you're missing the most important meal of the day, just consider I have looked into that, and I would encourage you to also look into it to make sure it's not just something that sort of gets repeated without any actual basis behind it. So I've been finding it to be not only, okay, here's what I love about it, is I, I have a cup of coffee, and I'm good to go till about 2 o'clock, which really works a lot well, better with my schedule. Well, not only that, I mean, not to channel Jon Snow, but winter is coming. So <laughs> and, Yeah, it, nice already, it already is here. It's here, and I mean, it's fall here in, in, in Washington. I mean, you're, you're up in, you're on the wall, right? I mean, to use the Game of Thrones metaphor, you, I mean, do you see White Walkers and Giants a lot? <laughs> just Bigfoot, just Bigfoot. You might as well be in Canada. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, really. Um, depending on where you visit in here, sometimes um, you get you get accidentally get thrown over to Canadian cell towers, and I pick up Canadian broadcast television from my from where I live. Yeah, exactly. It's great. So, so yeah, speaking today, of the Pacific Northwest, oh, you're gonna say yeah, go ahead. No, just on the coffee note. Uh, today I'm drinking, I think the last of my Puerto Rican coffee, which is very disappointing. Oh, uh, great blend from a listener of the show. Yeah, yeah, and I. I believe, though, because, see, I'm such an addict now. I'm on a monthly coffee order for my local coffee shop. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's – I wonder if I – I don't know if anything in my area has that. You, they will if you buy more than a – or they might. I mean this shop, if you buy more than a pound, they actually like, give you a, a slight discount on the whole beans or I do a French press grind. And it's basically two or three pounds a month of whatever the newest blends are. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. That, sounds, very, that sounds fun. That's a very Seattle thing. You'd fit in really well over here. You know what? I'll bring my vinyl record collection. It'll be great. (laughs) All right. So speaking of the Seattle area, uh, Microsoft is making headlines over a business insider this week. And uh, it seems to be it seems to be based on the fact that if you go by the numbers, Microsoft is now weighing in number one as a GitHub contributor with 16,419 contributions, edging out Facebook with their 15,000. Um, and this is Docker, right? Or am I? Yeah, no. Do- yes, Docker. I believe Docker was in there as well. Um, this really does. This there is some sort. Of, I guess the saying, the proof is in the pudding. There is. This. It seems legit to me. I mean, I know you. Uh, I'm struggling you're fighting, here. You're fighting the war of 1995. So I don't know. They they seem sincere. I mean, they, they're doing the work. These are their employees that are you know they're on their salary their dime doing the work and they're not just contributing to microsoft projects although no, they're contributing to all kinds of stuff right i mean uh aren't they one of the or the top contributor now to the linux kernel well they were a couple of years ago as they were introducing patches yeah. for uh, hyper their hyper v virtualizer or hypervisor yeah. but um i don't believe that's the case anymore I, th- I think they're still an active contributor but that was sort of like a burst of device drivers and and compatibility okay. stuff yeah uh, but today that it, it was GPL code they they produced. So <laughs> I don't I don't know that would be what I, that actually would be the stat I would be most interested in. 
what is the what is the number one license and what is the breakdown? Because they've obviously they've created some GPL code, but something tells me that's not the predominant code that Microsoft. Well, is even if it's like the BSD license or the Apache uh, two license, which is the one I always use, what's what's wrong with that? Well, um, at this point, what difference does it make? I would say it it would be it would show a lack of strategic influence over their decisions. I don't understand that. What do you mean? What I mean, the Apache two and BSD are, are are pretty damn far from a, from a pure GPL. I guess my my feel of it is is that when my if you saw Microsoft contributing a lot of GPL code, say predominantly GPL code, that would seem to suggest that they in, they are genuinely contributing to things that are meant to be integrated in part of Linux. Versus something that's when when it's an when it's an Apache license, that's great, but it doesn't feel like it's. So what if Microsoft released a next generation web development and web API development framework uh, under an open source license that was reasonably acceptable? Would that count less to you? And this is just me spitballing than them. Uh, I don't know, contributing a bunch more drivers to you know the next generation Linux kernel. You know, I think that's a hard call because I think what 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 the line is for me is, and it, of course, this is where the uh, court of opinion comes in to make judgment. Uh, it's what is the what is the what is the motive motivation behind the release of code? Right, exactly. Is it to further the Azure platform and Windows? Is it to further .NET development because that, in the long run, is better for? Actually, so here's a better way to summarize it: Is it a play? To attempt to make Windows somewhat still relevant in the server market or not? Okay, so you know, two big projects they've recently open sourced. Well, actually, three. Right, .NET Core, ASP.NET. Yeah. Um, I know they have a. I think it's ASP.NET Core. Aren't they doing PowerShell or something too? Yeah, but really, PowerShell. But I was actually thinking of good old Xamarin. Mm. Oh yeah. Just now open source. Right. That's. I mean, obviously they get something for that. It means, uh, you know hopefully more traction for their platforms and more developers on their platform. But I, I really I really find it hard to kind of take this one away from them. I'm not trying to take it away from them. No, I think it's I think it's rem- it's a remarkable achievement and a huge landmark. And, and right. it's it is one of the few things that are going on in the tech industry right now that make me go, wow, it is really 2016 and things have changed. It still gives me that feeling. Oh, I can tell you things have changed just from, uh, you know, from even like just – 10 years ago, right, doing a sale, it's all, open source is basically assumed now. No one's, no one's seriously considering proprietary systems, at least that I've been speaking to, unless they have some sort of legacy problem, right? Like they've yeah. been in access for 400 years. And, yeah, it, 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 it totally is different for shops that have an established, long-running IT department where they have, you know, who knows what technology, but there, there is, and that is a huge freaking market. You know, but even then, it, it sounds like if you kind of go to their events, which I've been trying to do more and more, there is a desire to modernize, to get out of this cycle of supporting legacy proprietary software that they can't really support. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder, I, wonder, I wonder if that is a conflict internally. That is, a, that is an well, interesting predicament. I, there's probably a cost issue to it too, right? Um. You know, open source projects, you can make more informed decisions about where proprietary ones. What if the vendor disappears on you? Right. And that's that is extremely relevant too to in the in the smaller business sector where you want to yeah. kind of make a big spend and then you want that platform that you just bought or that thing you just bought to work quite a while and you want to have some oversight on it. Well, we have something later in the show about you want the solution platform or the programming language to be stable and last for more than 18 months Hmm. and also Hmm. i want to talk speaking of things that come and go i want to talk about eclipse i thought this was a really interesting article that floated by i know so you know what let's uh before we get off the whole cloud thing because we were just talking all cloud stuff let's mention our first sponsor this week DigitalOcean. this is where you go spin up your own server under your control we were just chatting in the chat room today ironically huh chatting in the chat room uh, about spinning up a DigitalOcean droplet to help out with the FreeBSD project. And I thought that was a – there's a lot of different use cases for DigitalOcean, but I kind of like that one too where it's like uh, this open source project needs a mirror. They need somebody to seed this. And DigitalOcean has got a $5 droplet. It's $5 a month. You get, you get 512 megs of RAM. 
you get a terabyte of transfer, you get a 20 gigabyte SSD. That could really go somewhere. That could really help somebody out. And you could just run it for two months for free if you use our promo code Coder Digital. I've used DigitalOcean just recently to start playing with LibreVault to mess around with things like cloud-hosted OBS broadcasting. And, of course, I use it to host my back-end services. In fact, we have BitTorrent sync servers out there that distribute content to hundreds of our uh, unfiltered uh, patrons. It's a really cool system that I was able to rig together through DigitalOcean. And they have private networking, so servers in the data center can communicate with each other. It doesn't account at all against your transfer. If you use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, you get a $10 credit. And they have hourly pricing, too, at, at, at unbelievable rates that are just amazing. You'll, you'll find that you can apply that code, mess with something on there, see if it works for you, put it in production, and it's almost, almost guaranteed that that, time, that timeline is totally running for free. They have great prices. In fact, mess around on their site and you can check them out. All of their devices are backed by SSDs. They have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, and uh, in India now. I have high availability block storage. You can add it as you need it, up to 16 terabytes. That's also SSD-backed. And remember that hourly pricing? So they, they default to monthly, but you toggle it over to hourly. Three cents an hour for two gigs of RAM, two core processor, 40 gigabyte SSD, and three terabytes of transfer. That's great because three cents an hour is going to get you a long way when you get a $10 promo code when you use our code, code or digital. All one word, you apply it to your account. They've also recently just rolled out high memory droplets, dun, 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 600 and, or 128 gigabytes, 224 gigabytes at the high end, 64 gigabytes of memory. All of this just pennies on the dollar. Look at that, 18 cents an hour, 36 cents an hour, 71 cents an hour, $1.43 and then $2.50 an hour for 32-core processor. <laughs> 500 gigabyte SSD, 10 terabytes of transfer, 10 terabytes of transfer, and 224 gigabytes of RAM. Oh, my God. You know, and they get, so they got the whole range, right, from the $5 droplets all the way up now. And you can deploy a, you can deploy a, a ready-to-build distro of Linux, start from scratch with a base installer or FreeBSD, too. And they got great documentation. Just use our promo code CODERDIGITAL over at DigitalOcean.com. And thanks to DigitalOcean's for sponsoring the Coder Radio programs. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. All right, Mr. Dominic. So just an interesting stat. And stats can mean a lot of things. But there is a post. Um, we'll link it in the show notes. called The Fall of Eclipse that was published just a few days ago. And it shows that over the period time period of 2012 to 2016, uh, in terms of overall representation of the, what does he say? Yeah, so they did a survey, and of the respondents, in 2012, 62% were using Eclipse. By 2016, it has fallen to 41%, mostly falling to IntelliJ idea, and uh, NetBeans has remained rather flat, while Eclipse has fallen dramatically. Yeah, yeah, this was uh this was kind of a trend I saw over the you know the beginning of my career and to now. My first gig Eclipse was uh was actually not true. NetBeans was mandatory, but I was a rebel and I used Eclipse. <laughs> uh then I decided I hated Eclipse. Is it the plugins? You know, is it because it's ugly? What is it? I mean, because a lot of a lot of IDs have plugins. A lot of IDs are ugly. But... Well, you know, I I would say like sophomore in college, Mike would have said it doesn't look nice on my pretty little MacBook. Um, or I couldn't figure out how to configure it on Ubuntu at all. Yeah, it was also there was a long time. Now it's easier, but there was yeah. a long time where it was. You know, that's an interesting note right there. Is it's never actually been easier to set it up, especially on Ubuntu, right. and it's its usage is still dropping like you know, a rock. But then I was compelled to use Eclipse again when uh, when I started doing Android development. Uh, if you remember briefly, Eclipse was the IDE for Android, right? It was well, that's flooding. why I assumed just it would have a lot of momentum from that. No. Um, so, I mean, I backed this up with virtually nothing, just with anecdotal evidence and what kind of what people were talking about on Reddit and uh, Hacker News, which is obviously not an awesome source for information. So you know that Android Studio is actually a version of the IntelliJ Community Edition now, right? right? Yeah. Like an older yeah. version, right? It is. Um, no, it's it's slightly forked. Okay. So there's stuff that might come to Android Studio first and then go into IntelliJ and vice versa. And it's not nearly the hot mess that Eclipse is. Well, I would say, and this is super subject, subjective, 
that IntelliJ is a bit easier to configure, a little more better. I'm sorry, I hate to say it like that, but it's just, you know, Eclipse always felt like a bunch of crap strung together. And you screw up one config and your entire environment's busted. Where JetBrains, for the love of God, pay us, goes out of their way to have a lot of little tooltips. Very Clippy style, where it's like, oh, you appear to be trying. Like, this happened to me this morning, actually. I was working on that Android project. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to make a debug build. Your build settings in release mode. That's not going to work. And there's a little, like, red exclamation point. You click it, and it opens the menu where you change the setting, which is great. But also annoying. It is annoying. It's mildly annoying. Right? Uh, I mean, it, I never like. I always wanted something in me wants to blast through those, and and I know I I can slow myself down and read them, but it's like okay, I, I need to work right now. Go away, go go go. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I very briefly had to install Eclipse again uh, about six months ago. It, it felt slow compared to IntelliJ. Now that was a, hmm. a Java Spring project, hmm. and again, a lot of this comes down to, you know, IntelliJ did not at one point have a community edition. Right. So it was a, a cost choice. I think that now was that what really started the trend downward. Right. Now, there's a lot of like nice plugins and things you can't do in the free edition, um, particularly around like Java Play and some of the enterprise Java web frameworks. But honestly, like I have a license to IntelliJ Pro and I use Android Studio most of the time because mm. yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I would do, too. And Rikai in the chat room says, I would use anything but Eclipse, including Visual Studio Code. <laughs> well, well, uh, he's joking, right? But, like, that, no, no, that's but the I other think side he's not. I think he's not, actually. Yeah, Visual Studio Code is <laughs> actually a, a pretty good editor, right? Adam's a good editor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sublime Text, mm. TextMate. All mm. the, well, TextMate's a little old, but mm. Sublime Text mm. exists. Vim. Oh, and, and Vim. <laughs> and I guess if your beard is magical, you might install Emacs at some point. I'm sorry, what? It's negative in the freedom dimension how you doing richard just stroke it a little bit i think he's good mm, only on tuesdays i think he's good uh all right well so this whole post it's all it's about a i'd say about a three minute no not even that well yeah maybe a three minute read um yeah, four minute read maybe you uh you could check it out we have it linked in the show notes and i'd also like your thoughts coderadio.reddit.com we'll have a post in there for 223 I don't have a lot to say about this next one other than it feels like it's kind of tradition when these things crop up on the web. We cover them here in the Hoopla section. This is a project by Mozilla. It's called Thimble. Thimble is an online code editor that makes it easy to create and publish your own web pages while learning. So it is sort of a web page editor in the browser. I'm loading it right now if you're watching the video version. And on the left-hand side, you have a sublime text-inspired code editor that is uh, syntax highlighted and all that good stuff. And on the right side, you have a real-time um, uh, you know, preview of the HTML code. It's, there's a lot of apps like this, but this is uh, created by Mozilla. And I think the intention is to, to build in some pretty nice features here. And i got to say, overall, for something that's brand new, it's pretty cool. Like I can, have, I can change the color themes, and I like the syntax highlighting. And it seems to be – it does uh, co- code folding. I mean, it seems to have some decent features including the ability to keep track of your web directory and all that stuff. And then I think the intention is you can one yeah, you can one click publish and share it up to a web page. And I don't actually oh, I'd have to sign in to do the publish feature and I don't know where that part lands. But this Thimble project is something that's starting to make a little bit of news this week. So I saw a few discussions about it online so I thought I'd share it with the class. It's thimble.mozilla.org. Yes, that's t h i m b l e.mozilla.org. It's nice cool. looking. It's simple. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't look like something that's for me, right? No, uh, I think no, it's, it's probably not for most people, but it could right. be something that's for my kids in a couple of years. I think that's definitely a possibility. Or, uh, you know, if you just want to, if you're not super familiar with HTML and you want to, you just want to try to, you want to try it somewhere right. and see a real time preview if you're doing like the image embed with the size correct, or if you're, if this is what the, the, the YouTube embed will look like, you know, those kinds of things in a real time preview editor are nice. And it's kind of nice that it's backed by Mozilla, too. Those are all things that I put in the, quote-unquote, nice category. Yeah, it's a good learning tool, I think. That's exactly what I think the intention is. Yeah, And so I'll have it linked to the show notes, and I hope some people will find it useful. And I I suppose the publishing, if they do some hosting there, that could be pretty useful. Now, you were teasing a topic before we did the uh, DigitalOcean spot. Yeah, so 
I, I do have something actually I added into the doc that you didn't see. Oh, I did. No, you just you did a little sneaky during the show edition. Oh, oh, uh, is it the uh, this uh, this vapor dot codes? OK, tell me about vapor dot codes. What the heck is this? It is a swift web development framework. Let that sink in. Wait, 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 Framework. So this is nuts. This is this is this is not no no. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Vapor.codes, This is a fake site. You're, you're trolling me right now. Nope. This is a real thing. It <laughs> looks fairly interesting. I'm going to do some uh, basic demos in it to see if it's actually. It's obviously not something for production, but to see if this is something that might at some point make sense. Right, Swift on the server. Yeah. Okay. So this I, is. I'm, yeah, I'm skeptical because you know other things exist. Well, I, you know what I – okay, so here's where I'm wondering – I just thought of a use case for this is overcast.fm, right? The, uh, it, has a, it has a server-side right. component that runs on a Linux box. It has a web component for podcast playback in the web browser. And then it has the client component that runs on the iPhone. This, this where, there's, where there's a server-side, a website, and an app-side, the, the, the number one focus is on the app-side, absolute focus on the app-side. But it's only it, – the app only is as functional as the server-side makes it. So the two are very interlinked. There could be a lot of shared code between all three. Is that sort of – am I on the right track with that kind of use case? Yeah, there, would, there ought to be some opportunity to share similar data models between clients and servers, right? Kind of like what some people are doing with uh, JavaScript web applications and Node.js backends. Some of it too is you know, if they can get some performance out of Swift, it may actually be a fast choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, oh, oh, you mean fast like uh, I thought you meant fast in terms of development time, but no, that's not what you meant. You mean fast in terms of actual performance? Well, I mean both, right? Hmm. I mean performance compared to something like Ruby or Python. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. This is pretty impressive. Have you have you it's had any chance to to poke at it? No, you know nothing beyond like a simple hello world get. You know, arbitrary, right? Just an HTTP get request. Um, I have not been able to install it on my Ubuntu rig yet, which is kind of the biggest deal says to me. It works with a, Ubuntu and DigitalOcean. It, it. it does. Well, I mean, DigitalOcean is <laughs> just servers. So, yeah. yeah. I wonder, but do they mean like you can deploy it on DigitalOcean with like one click? That could be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Well, nothing says you couldn't do like a, a Doku image with Docker on DO for this. Yeah, sure. Um, and use it like any other. Oh, and look at that. They have a channel on Slack that you can add. Oh, of course. Of course. You know, it do. really... It really looks pretty cool. It oh, nice to, see, nice docs at least. Wow, look yeah, at that. That's nice pretty docs. good stuff. Yeah. Can't really see the I'm whole gonna, thing in the video frame, but it looks nice. I, I'm going to go deep and check this out for you. I like it. So vapor.codes and also vapor.github.io if you want to check it out there. That's pretty cool. So I got to say, if you hear any noises in the background uh, that's not Rikai rolling around in the studio, it is a thunderstorm. We have a thunder and lightning storm that's going crazy right now here. In Washington, so there. That's what our weather is like. How how are things over in your neck of the woods? With uh, I mean, there's been those recent bombings and all that. Is everything everything okay? Yeah, they arrested some guy earlier. Today. Yeah, they did. I, mean, I know, they, but I mean, is that like is that like local news for you right now? Is that like a yeah? It's not the one in uh, yeah, it's pretty local. Wow! Yikes! Yikes! Hey, okay. So before we go any further into the show, we have we have. Let me look at our look. We still have. Oh, are we gonna oh we're gonna talk a little Swift three here in a moment too. Um, and oh yeah, all right. I do want to mention something though because we have a good community over at coderadio.reddit.com. But I think we could use more love and more input over there. I, if I, I really would like to get guidance on the topics you'd like to hear on this show, and we are we are getting some great ones. Oh, I like this one that was just submitted by Chaotic Kernel. Some uh, go go one dot eight uh, benchmarks and using C and Rust too by Green Dragon. That's pretty cool. Hmm. There's some good ones in here. In fact, that's where I found Thimble. Max360SE submitted that six hours ago. So a shout out to Max. That's where I found Thimble was the Coder Radio subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com. A couple of things I'd love to see here is uh, uh, engagement in the specific – wow, do you hear that? Can you hear that thunder? And that's with – Sounds like Thor's about to kick your ass. Uh, you know what's crazy about that thunder is that's with uh, soundproofing in the studio and uh, uh, an audio gate and all that stuff uh, turned on. Um, anyways – I'd like to get even more engagement there as we as we start uh, posting like the weekly challenge threads over there and whatnot. Uh, it'd be great. Also, spotlights of projects or really good write ups that you think that uh, you get a, you get an idea for what we like. You think we'd be able to dig into in the show. 
All of that's appreciated at coderadio.reddit.com. And thanks to Chaotic Colonel and Green Dragon and uh, CFG83. That's and of course Dio Max. Is that who's Dio Max? I, that sounds familiar. Like I think I've seen you in some of the other subreddits. Of course, I've seen a lot of these guys in their subreddits. And we'd like to see you there too. Coderadio.reddit.com. All right, so I want to mention Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com/coders. We talk about a lot of different things on this show, and some of the fundamentals can be found here, but just. Beyond that, they have a great educational platform for Linux itself and all of the technology stacks built on top of Linux. If you ever find yourself in the need to pick up a new skill, I want you to consider going over to Linux Academy, either for your job or for a contract or just to challenge yourself. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you go to support this show. That's sort of your landing page. You can check out their features section where they really listed out some of the competitive advantages of Linux Academy. I, I don't – they don't put it here on the page. But I, w- I would say their number one advantage is they actually just really care about this stuff. They're really into it. That, I think, really breaks them out, makes them stand out from the, other, the others. I, you, know, you know what I mean. The other ones where Linux and these topics are, are part of what they cover or it's, a, it's an area they have a focus on. But it's not, it's not what drives them. It's not their passion. That's what drove them to create this platform in the first place. They don't put that on the website because – Unless you're a user of these technologies, it's a little hard to wrap your head around, and I suppose it's kind of hard to put as a bullet point. But some of the things they do mention I think you'd really find compelling is their labs and exercises. These are hands-on, scenario-based labs, give you experience on real servers. These video courses they have are top-notch. They're self-paced, in-depth video courses where you have extra content you can download and listen to on the go and study offline. They have note cards that help you study, and the community forks them like an open-source project. They have learning paths, which are nice if you want to get in and go down a series of courses and content planned by their instructors for a specific career track. They have nuggets when you have just a little bit of time, and availability planners that help you schedule around your crazy day. They also have iOS and Android apps if you get a minute of downtime, or maybe you're on the bus, something like that. It's pretty cool. And I think you'd also really like the fact that they have instructor mentoring available when you need it. That's a pretty unique feature for these kinds of topics. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. That's where you go to support the show and learn more about Linux Academy. And thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. I saw somebody grousing on Twitter. Grousing, grousing, grousing about Swift. Actually, not just Swift. Xcode updates and yeah, uh, the pain of all of it. So what's going on, my friend? So I made the mistake of updating Xcode and, you know, <laughs> isn't that Swift... how it works? You don't really it's not so much a mistake as something you're very compelled to do. Yeah, it's like nudge, nudge. You should probably do this. Uh-huh. And then you you do the update and it's like, oh, you're at some point going to need to update your code to Swift three. So uh, why don't you go ahead and do that? What it doesn't tell you is, oh, you have all these cocoa pods in your project. And uh, that's basically going to break when you do that. And it was one of those things that I was able to recover after about three hours of just fiddling with nonsense and setting screens. So this wait, really wait, got... not, wait setting screens. I thought this was an Apple thing. This is there's no setting screens. Yeah, there are project build settings. Um, you know, this got me into a way of thinking about. I, I've been coming around to Swift pretty hard, and this was just one of those things where it's like geez, maybe this is not something you need to actually like bend to or come around to. I don't follow. I don't follow. So Swift 3 is a breaking change from Swift 2. Okay. Meaning not all Swift 2 is going to be valid Swift 3. How how likely is that to happen? I think if you're using a lot of dependencies, it's almost a, a guarantee. Okay. And it, now in some of those cases, you know, the bigger dependencies, right, have workarounds. You can turn on a compatibility compile for, for frameworks. You can do things like that. Um, sometimes there's a Swift 3 branch that you can tell CocoaPods to pull. Uh, and if it's a smaller dependency that's not ready to go, you're kind of screwed. Either mm. you're going to do the update for, for your own use and, and give it back, or you're going to be sunk. And of course... That says nothing about like your own code, which might need to be changed, right? Now the uh, so you run the convert to Swift three thing, the which you get after you upgrade to Xcode eight, right? And the note says you can avoid doing this now, but it will it will eventually be mandatory. So my position on this stuff, and I did some googling and kind of read like what is the wisdom on this, is that do it sooner than later. The more code you have, the more it hurts. 
which is kind of obviously true, right? There is an automated conversion tool that does a lot of like the basic syntax changes. But man, you know, Swift isn't that old. Yeah, this is a big change. And I guess it's not like they weren't unclear. I mean, it's been, it's not only are they, no, they, they they've been beating this drum, but like there's also no promise of, you know, we will never break it again for X years still, right? Mm. And yeah, I, you know, the person in the chat room, I do have sort of a, a kind of a flip floppy relationship with Swift. Because it's actually not a bad language, except when, like, okay, some of the breaking changes in Swift three to me are pure zealotry. Like, oh, we're removing for loops because that's not Swifty. Okay, but like, you just broke someone's source code. Mm. Like, sure, it's not a ton of effort to go back and refactor that, but it's effort that's not equal to zero. It and reminds nobody, like, you; it's a painful reminder that this is still early days for something that. Is getting used in a way that you kind of wish it. It's, it's, I, I it's a, a painful, a much, uncomfortable arrangement in a sense. You, do you follow? I have, a, I have a much more practical problem of like, okay, so do I bill the customer for this? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it literally provides no value to the customer whatsoever. In fact, it probably destabilizes the code a little bit because now this is code that hasn't gone through rigorous QA. This is code that some uh, conversion tool touched and. You know, I made what appeared to be correct changes for the syntax, right? It doesn't, um, you know, neither option is great. Like anytime you're getting in a situation when you're billing a customer for something that's not providing value, that's not good. And I don't really think that upgrading to Swift 3 provides value other than the value of if we do it tomorrow or in six months from now or whenever. You know, because at some point, Xcode's pretty clear that Apple's going to force you you know, if we're doing this with a gun to our head, it may be a more destructive time to do it, right? But that's kind of like the value of, hey, that's a nice project you have there. The other sort of, I want to say, uncomfortable aspect of this is that is there going to be a Swift 4 next year? When does the breakage stop? Right. When does the pain stop? Because sure, you could argue, well, Mike, you did development, you built your customer. That's great. They just built in another four hours of work for you that, you know, it's a no fault upsell, which I guess if you are really, really penny pinching, you could say. But that's not really a great way. One, that's it's not good for like the vendor because. Yeah, you have to it have to be like a it has to be an upgrade. It has to be a platform compatibility improvement or it has to be sold as a as an improvement. It has to be. You can't you can't come in and sell it as well. It might make things a little less stable. I'm running it through some uh, a magic box. Um, and it's really just because it's kind of an early language and we kind of rolled it early because we needed to do this job with this code. And so that's kind of what we had to do. You know, and I, I, can't and sell lot, that. Like, I've been reading the Swift Evolution stuff and uh, the mailing list a bit. And a lot of it is like very smart, very good changes. A lot of great people working on it. But there's an aspect and a subcommunity of like super functional purists, or I would maybe not functional, but super. You know, we the Swift did, we don't like C structures, so we want to get rid of things like for loops, which maybe would have made sense during Swift 1.0, but because they existed. <laughs> You should leave them in, right? I, this is a tool, and I would rather – I mean, so the argument runs both ways, right? They want a more perfect language that makes more sense. I want a more practical language that you already gave me this tool. Don't take it away. And I am using a very trivial example of for loops. I understand that, like, that's not idiomatic Swift. That's not good. Okay. But the concept – that at some point there is going to be a vote or some sort of community discussion on GitHub. And if that does not go my way, I will have to call a number of customers and tell them that I'm either going to bill them for this time and they're going to get no value, which basically just opens the door for another vendor to you know, call to call my customer and possibly book a meeting, right? Because that's it's a very competitive field. Or I'm going to eat all of this time. And if you have support 
contracts, well, okay, this is just something you bake into your support contracts. Yeah. But what about the 99% of customers who won't sign support contracts, right, and want to just do as-needed changes? Now, I do see the thing in Slack, and I have heard that the Swift 4 is promising no breaking changes, which is great, but will that guarantee last the Swift 5, right? Because maybe I'm being like an old curmudgeon about this. I, I kind of expect like three to five year stability. Not, oh, we gave you a year off, man. You should be happy. Maybe that's not realistic in today's fast moving open source world. I don't know. I don't know. If, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I know Swift is open source, but it feels like it's Apple driving this. I, I don't think it's Apple, actually. I, really? I think a okay. lot. I think there was a strong aspect of people outside of apple in the community who you know are kind of doing a good job of like contributing and doing awesome stuff and also making a name for themselves doing swift but some of them and it's have a have very very strong opinions on making it as pure and functional as possible which sort of makes sense but that conversation should have happened internally at apple with swift one not Swift 3. Okay, yeah. And, and that is, I'll tell you right now, like in the Swift community, that is not a super popular opinion. And Swift 3 does give you a lot of interesting things that, that I find just sort of helpful. Like some of the interop stuff with Objective-C is better. But, you know, this is something that's a little scary to me. And also that it's not going to change in Swift four. You know that's not a legally binding contract, I, right? I feel like this is uh, this is a cultural thing, though. At Apple, Apple will, will often make changes like this that require you to change your apps to stay compatible. Or I mean, this is not an uncommon thing at all for them. Look what they just did with the headphone jack. They just completely took away that analog input that a lot of third party dongles use, and now it's you have to completely redo that product. To some sort of wireless yeah, solution. I, you know, I actually got my uh, my iPhone seven. I ended up canceling the plus, and literally the day after I got it, I had a golfing trip with uh, two buddies, and I forgot my dongle. <laughs> I was the driver. Um, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, we can talk about it briefly. Okay, so I have an ironic story for you. So uh, I had two things happen to me recently. For those that don't know, that made me decide. All right, I'm going to just get the iPhone. So my primary driver has been the Nexus six P. And I've been getting less and less happy with it as, as time went on for a lot of reasons that I won't go on about because I have plenty before. But one of the l most recent two egregious things that really sealed the deal for me is uh, my, my camera crashed and quit working on me um, the day that my second child started kindergarten. So I couldn't take pictures that I wanted of her getting on the bus for the first day of school. Uh, so that was extremely disappointing as a parent. And then I went on a road trip. And uh, I was walking down a road, and I looked over, and next to me was a giant, unbelievably huge deer. Just huge deer. Unbel I've never been next to an animal that large where they were just sort of chilling. I've been around plenty of deer, especially ones that have been hunted. But this is this was like uh, it was like it was just it was like it's a life it was like a lifetime moment. And I whipped the uh, Nexus 6P out, double tap on the power button, which I finally embraced, and the camera launches. And it's totally blurred, like Vaseline's been put on the lens. I check the lens, it's clean. And, you know, the more I move looking at this thing, the more uncomfortable this animal gets. And I, I, I close the app, I relaunch it, won't unblur. I, try, I turn around, I try to take a picture of Hadia, try to tap on, you know, to get it focused on her, won't do anything. I force close the app, relaunch it, won't do anything. And then by that point, the deer starts getting spooked. I reboot the phone and finally my camera works and I get a picture of its ass 20 yards away from me with some sort of crappy digital zoom. So uh, in, you, you got your new iPhone, right? Yeah, I did. I got it. I, I ordered it uh, as part of the upgrade program, and uh, it arrived on Friday, although I didn't get my hands on it un until uh, Sunday. So, but I've, I've, had, I've, had a lot of, I've spent a lot of time with it since then. And I kind of have an ironic – so I thought the headphone jack thing would be no big deal because I actually only use Bluetooth with my speaker at home and in my truck. And here at the studio, I, I don't really – I just use the speakers themselves. Except for this, <laughs> these last two days, I'm driving Hadia's car, which doesn't have Bluetooth. It only has a headphone jack. So I, the day I get the phone, and for the next two days, I, I'm driving her car, and uh, I, don't have a, uh, I don't have a way to listen to my... And, I, of course, I forgot the adapter at the studio. So I was driving around without an adapter. And that was kind of ironic. So I, I told myself it wouldn't be a big deal, and then uh, 
or there I get hit right in the face. Of course, now I'll just now I have the adapter in the car, so it's not a big deal. But um, I do have a couple observations I'd like to share with you that I thought were interesting. Yeah, let's do let's do a quick seven minute iPhone review. Okay, so I think one of the things that uh, I, I I haven't uh, I haven't used an iPhone for a little while. So I don't have recent memory of the way the button feels, but to me it feels legit. I was actually surprised. It's weird when it's off, but uh, there is zero delay when I press that button. If there was any delay at all, I think it would be uncanny, but it's it's right, right on the money. So so that's been pretty nice. One of the things, I don't know if, I guess this is an iOS 10 feature. This is my first real experience with iOS 10, but it is a fundamental game changer for the platform, and it is a huge deal, is uh, there is, if, I think if you're using the standard iOS input boxes, text input boxes, there is now a, an ability to use a password manager. And not mm. just iCloud, but I can use LastPass to log into things like Spotify and Dropbox and Slack and maybe not Slack. Anything that uses its own custom login screen, it doesn't, they don't yet, they have, right. the apps have to be updated for it. This is freaking huge because uh, LastPass then I can unlock with Touch ID so I can very quickly now use my extremely complicated passwords on my mobile apps, which before... I was doing on Android, but it always had a persistent notification, and it's kind of hacky, and it would flip up at the wrong times, and it was very annoying. This is such a clean, smooth implementation of a system-wide password manager. Blows my face off. One more thing specifically to the iPhone 7, because I decided to start clean. Did you do a restore from backup, or did you clean. start clean? Yeah. Clean. Clean. I decided to go clean this time, too, since this is the first time I've used an iPhone in a while. And uh, I wonder if your experience was like this, too. I went to the app store. I went to my, quote-unquote, purchased apps, which includes all of my purchased and free apps. And I just started going tap, 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 tap down the install. And I did not. Okay. This was, this was an uncanny, un- literally unbelievable. Rikai was sitting in the living room with me when I was just blo- – my mind was like, this is not possible. Before I could get to the next app, the previous app was installed. All of them. Huge apps, all of them installed. In I, I've never seen an app install that fast. Well, that's that uh, app thinning, right? Is that what it is? Because holy smokes, they only, is that bun- nice. they only bundle the assets for your phone size now. Wow, man. Well, I guess yeah. a lot of apps are taking advantage of it because everything just slammed down on my phone faster than I could. Uh, I could get to the next app. I was extremely impressed. Uh, also, oh, go ahead. No, no, you first, and I'm going to get into mine. Go ahead. Uh, also, the uh, new speakers, much better. Uh, they're, much better. They're not, like, going to blow your face off. I don't know if they're quite as good as the Nexus 6P, but they're damn close, and they are great for listening to podcasts because since I haven't had the headphone jack, I've been driving down the road just listening to the iPhone speaker in the cup holder, uh, and it, it is really loud. It's great. I also, I think maybe this is an iOS 10 thing. I like all the new sounds, the keyboard sounds, the new uh, lock sound. And uh, one more thing, one last thing is one more thing. iOS 10 has th- this uh, this now widget screen where if you're using the Google Launcher, you slide over to the left and it's Google Now. I've yeah. essentially I've built my own Google Now out of these widgets, and it doesn't suck. It doesn't suck at all. Like up front, I have my calendar. Next, I have my reminders, which are tied in specifically with Siri. So when I'm going down the road, I just say, hey, slow-mo or whatever, or hey, phone, uh, Remind me too, and then next time I'm looking, next time I'm killing two seconds, and I'm looking at this widget screen. I see my reminders that I've voice dictated. Uh, I've, I've integrated several third-party apps into it, including apps that give me news feeds for each show, which is very useful. Dark Sky tells me about the the weather conditions way better than Ra- Apple's regular weather app. Totally took that out. Um, the maps and stuff are pretty cool. I've got Bitcoin like tickers and stuff in here. I've got Find My Friends in here, and. Um, I'm trying out, just began to try out the new Photos, like Google Plus knockoff features. Or I'm sorry, Google Photos knockoff that auto-generates albums and things like that. Trying that out too, and I've got a feed of that in the widget screen. So between the performance and the iOS 10 updates and the overall just incredible feel in the hand, I got the uh, just a regular black one. And the, I didn't get the plus. I just got this is also something different for me, a small phone, which has been the first small phone in a long time. And uh, – I, I, I have to keep checking my pockets. I check my pockets all the time because I think I don't have my phone with yeah. me. It's amazing. You're it's amazing. You, okay, go. All right, let me burn through. I have three minutes because unfortunately it's one of those days where I have a freaking so, four sorry. o'clock. Okay, go. Um, all right, so I got the iPhone 7 in black, 256 gigabyte edition. That was because Whoa. I ordered the 7 Plus, regretted it, and then went uh, – literally was at an event, one of those like local business events, and walked over to T-Mobile. Hey, do you have any iPhones in stock? And there we go. They did, huh? Yeah. 
They did. Like we have like two, but they're the ridiculously big ones. I said, "Oh, you mean the plus?" He means no. They're two fifty six. So I got one. Oh man! Uh, yeah, yeah. That's not so, bad when you got a four K camera with optical image stabilization. That might you might. I am so the camera. I the camera is so much better than Nexus Five X. I am now a camera oh, guy. Oh god, it's it's it's. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's good as the S Seven because I haven't tested the S Seven, but it's remarkably better than the Six P. Remarkably. Yeah. So I go in with uh, you know, I go into Google Photos because that's what I use for all my photos. And you can tell the difference between the iPhone 7 pictures and the 5X pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and other things they fire off I've a lot noted, faster, too. Yeah. I mean, I literally the day after I got it, I did get bit in the ass by the uh, headphone jack thing. I had yeah. a car, I told, like I said, on the top of the show. Yeah. Other than that, though, I think this is a great device. Um, I haven't seen any real issues with it. Smoking fast. Just unbelievably fast. fast. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. Actually, I would say it's as fast as it finally should have been. Uh, that's nice. And uh, the battery life I don't have a lot of experience with because I've only had it for a couple of days and I've been been on it pretty steadily. But so far it seems to yeah. be pretty solid. So I cannot wait to go to release notes with a brand new iPhone 7. <laughs> it's you like know, joining the tribe. One more thing I'll just say is uh, Apple puts way too many apps on this thing by default now. It is it is a shit show. And I've got them oh, yeah. all like – That was literally the first thing I did was to yeah. make most of their apps. Yeah. yeah. Also, I went yeah. through the notification screen got those all tied down. So I got real tight yeah. notifications right now. I like how that's managed in iOS compared to Android. It's really slick. So It's yeah. pretty good. The only, the only thing I would say is uh, – I kind of miss Google now. Well, you can install the Google app. It's not quite the That's same, true. but it's there. Mr. Dominic, the where should people find you throughout the week when they want to uh, reach out? At Dumanuko on Twitter. What about the business? At Buccaneer Tech yeah, on Twitter. There or you go. Buccaneer IO. Gotta check out the Buccaneer IO site. Gotta give it a plug. Mike just might have some services right up your alley. Don't forget to watch us live, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for those live times. You can find it at jblive.tv. That's where the stream is. Coderadio.reddit.com and jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. If you want to send us in some emails. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. And we'll see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.